All right, so welcome to Startup Business Q&A episode 251. Amazing to be here. Uh, lots to cover. And I'm really pumped about this uh, topic this week uh, because you guys voted for it. It's something I haven't done for a few weeks now. So thank you, everyone, for uh, those of you who voted on the topic this week of attracting new business. It's so cool to be doing this one. It's one of my faves. Uh, I also wanted to say thank you very much to everyone who jumped in last week to help me celebrate uh, episode 250 of Startup Business Q&A. It was so awesome to uh, be here and get uh, loads of really nice messages from you all. I really, really appreciate that. So thank you so much for your kind words. Yes, uh, consistency really does help a lot. And it was interesting that the questions last week were really about what consistency can mean and what I've learned and stuff like that. So onwards uh, from 250 last week, this is, as I say, episode 251. And actually, what's exciting is that uh, we're in the, on the march now to episode 260. And 260 is, of course, five years of the uh, of the calls every week. So thank you, everyone, for doing this. Uh, thank you, everyone, for jumping in. If you have a question on attracting uh, warm business, then do ask away in the comments beneath. I'll be absolutely pumped to answer these for you. Got a bunch of questions already so far. And so thank you for that. The best question live today will win $50. I will be giving away $50 to whoever asks the best question. It might be one that's already been asked. It might be one that hasn't been asked yet. So if you have a question about attracting warm business, please put it into the comments uh, uh, beneath and I will answer that. Um, in four weeks time, I'm going to be doing this every week until we get there. In four weeks time on episode 255, there will be a major announcement major announcement. No clues being given away. Uh, four weeks time. So, so make sure you're watching uh, on episode 255 when I will be sharing this information. Uh, big one, a big one. Uh, and uh, I'm yeah, huge. Something that's massive. So I'm really looking forward to sharing it. Um, I just noticed <laughs> on my uh, on my LinkedIn and Facebook, I've got myself down as Mona Nairi which is weird because that's not my name, but that's uh, that's who my wonderful uh, um, curriculum director who was uh, putting her, who uh, was using Restream for um, for the guest sessions last week with Mr. Marvellous uh, Mohammed Hamoud. So thank you very much to him for joining us. If you haven't seen that yet, make sure you jump in over on Facebook, go to the Entrepreneur Business Group, and so just search Entrepreneur Business Group and you'll see there the guest sessions. So every second and fourth um, Thursday of the month at 9 a.m. Eastern, we have an interview exclusively in that particular space. So really important is specifically uh, in that in that group only. So make sure you get in there and check out um, uh, the interviews. Mohammed smashed it on EQ and practical steps around EQ. So I want to thank him uh, here for, for doing that. If you want to jump in on the Facebook and LinkedIn, I've got the link in there. So it's facebook.com slash groups slash entrepreneur business group. So if you're watching right now, tell me where you're watching from and uh, where and, and like if you're part of hashtag team live or hashtag team replay, it'd be good to see 
uh, where people are watching from around the world. Thank you, those of you listening after this on the podcast. Uh, thank you also to those of you watching the replay on IGTV or, of course, on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, Jenny, good to see you here over in London. Best coach out there. You're very kind. Thank you very much. Ian Tisker as well watching. Uh, good morning, sir, you say. I'd love to see you here. Uh, Vit.ali on Instagram too. Baba Sene 2020 is watching as well. Leo Moorbeck, thank you for coming in. Uh, Dikaram, uh, Profit for Purpose, uh, Bogdi underscore digital, My Roommate Perfect, Beat Me Nine, Amunia Bulam. I hope you said your name right as well. Thank you all of you for, for joining up, joining in and showing up uh, for me on Instagram. Let's see who's watching over on LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, my man Simon open to connect. He's written on on Instagram, on sorry on LinkedIn, uh, and Este from South Africa as well. Hashtag Team Live. Great to see you here as well. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. So let's get into it. If you've got a question about attracting new business, do jump in and ask in the comments. Best comment or best question will, and I'll just decide what it is. Best question today will get fifty dollars. So go for it and uh, ask your best question. Let's start, though, with Ian Tisco, who I know is watching on Instagram. So I will address Instagram directly. How do you uh, determine what platform to be using for attracting your tribe for pillar content? So the idea of pillar content, much like I have here, is this main piece of content from which you, you, know, you create all of your other micro content. So I break down this particular live stream every week into carousels, GIFs, micro videos, things like that as well. How do you determine, determine what platform to use? Well, I originally used Facebook because that's what I was, that's what I started on back in like 2014. Now, what's interesting about this is you should probably go where you think your customers are most prevalent. You can't choose or know, you can just make a educated guess. So you know what? I want to do business to business internationally. Probably LinkedIn makes sense. Or I'm in this particular industry. Probably Instagram makes sense. You go where it probably makes sense first. And I'm saying it that way because you don't know for sure until you test. So you launch or, or you'll stream or you use that platform natively um, and you, you focus on that one. But you simultaneously should try other platforms at the same time to test the theory. So when I really felt it uh, that, that LinkedIn would be really a hot place to, to do what, what, what I'm doing here, I, I didn't switch from Facebook to LinkedIn. I added LinkedIn to test what was going on. I felt that LinkedIn would be better because it's more aligned with my target, target audience. And lo and behold, it was. So I still keep Facebook because there's a group out there that tune in for it. But without question, LinkedIn uh, stepped forward. So I just need to make sure I'm always testing but like it's it's as simple as that. I, that's just the best way to do it. So go where it's or where you feel it's most the most you know your audience is most prevalent. But make sure you go test a bunch of others as well. Sometimes you just get better bandwidth elsewhere. LinkedIn's always given more views, uh, sorry, more distribution, uh, effective distribution than other platforms. Excuse me, other platforms. Then so I've just used that. You have to excuse my uh, hay fever day. It's really polleny. So. I have to work around the fact that I've got uh, sinus issues here and there, but I'm hopefully not sounding too rubbish. Uh, thank you again, everyone jumping in here. My goodness, so much. So many of you. It's awesome. Billionaire Ken Lifestyle. Cool name on Instagram. Keep asking your questions about attracting new business. Best question gets $50. Uh, next up, James Perry asks from Facebook, when you've attracted interest, how do you strongly pivot to a call? 
sometimes you don't want to be too strong. Sometimes you've got to be really simple or really gentle about it. When you've attracted some interest, a really good idea is to pre-qualify first. What that means is to get that person to step forward and just like confirm that they are the right person or and specifically that they do have a problem. So what, what I would suggest is you need to get them to step forward and kind of expose themselves as indeed someone who really has a problem. So for instance, if someone can't like attract, if I attract someone, some interest, as you call it, um, from someone who's like, I've got, you know, I've got a problem here with, with LinkedIn, I'm like struggling somewhat with LinkedIn conversion. Rather than just going straight to a phone call, let's get them to step forward. So a qualifying question here might be something like, okay, thanks for sharing first. Um, what, what have you tried so far? Or why do you feel this is a problem? And whenever they are, whatever they answer, you can say, why do you feel it's not working then? And what I'm doing is, firstly, I'm, I'm positioning myself as, as the consultant helping you know, understanding the problem. But secondly, I'm going to hear from them where they feel the issue is. So I can focus in on where specifically they, they feel they need help, but I can get them to articulate it. In persuasion science, if you like, it really is massive to have someone to actually say out loud what their problem is, because then they really believe it. In the same way as it really is powerful to get someone to say out loud that they think that you're great. So when I get this person saying, well, you know what? I don't even know, Richard. I don't know why conversion's not happening for me. I know I just need help with it. What I'm, what I'm able to do then is say, well, look, this is what I can help with. Would you like to explore what it would look like if we hop on a call together? And you're going to get a yes because they, they, you've attracted them in the first place. Then they articulated they had a problem. So when you say, would you like to explore fixing it? Well, of course, they want to jump on a call, James, because no one shares a struggle unless they want it fixed, okay? We don't share struggles with people if we don't want them to be, to be fixed. So we say these things out loud. And if you say, so what do you think the problem is? And they're like, I just think it's this. It shows they're open to being vulnerable with you because you're approachable. You've created some level of perception that means they can come to you, okay? And I remember well that when I first started doing this back in 2014 on, on Facebook, I would be like 20 of these a day. I would just be in conversations every day with people who are struggling with certain things, usually around closing deals uh, through social. And I would just, you know, getting to that level of conversation, and understand where the problem is and say, would you want, do you want to hop on a call next just to explore what, what it would look like if I helped? What you never do is lead with that. You have to get them to step forward and say, yeah, I've got a problem. Uh, and this is what it is, because when they do that, it means they want it fixed. Otherwise, they wouldn't stay, share it. So it's simple as that. It's really important. Uh, Ian, uh, Instagram has added, do you, have you seen reels or video shorts convert well on LinkedIn? Interesting question. I've seen I've seen video shorts do quite well. Um, I think uh, well, I think what he's talking about here is, is essentially LinkedIn stories, which is exactly the same as, as you know, um, Instagram stories or indeed short videos that have the most the thing that converts best is when you speak to how you can fix a problem and when your call to action is strong and when you do a post the accompanying the accompanying uh, text has to work its magic it's funny because people talk about how video is the be all end all or polls are the be all end all or or images or text only 
none of them make much difference uh, to one another if you do them well. They just all do great. The thing that really drives the difference is the accompanying text. It's the calls to action, the way you take them through it through a process, the way you explain something to them that makes them go, do you know what? That's something I really want to check out. Um, and, you know, the videos often lubricate. Yeah, I've seen them convert well. Uh, stories on LinkedIn has been crushing it for me. It really is a good way of getting a lot of new people to see your profile. So I would check them out uh, without question if that's what you're uh, speaking about. Um, just for those joining in right now, put in the comments if you're watching live. So put in hashtag team live. Or if you're watching the replay, put in the hashtag team replay and also where you're watching from as well. But love to know what parts of the world you're watching from. This week, we're talking about attracting uh, warm business and any questions on that. The best question will get $50. Okay, so ask away in, in the comments. Uh, Jenny, you asked a comment here on Instagram how to build levels of content so it's aligned with your levels of attraction. So for instance, cold, warm, hot, inbound, etc. How to build levels of content so it's aligned with your levels of attraction. I see, I think what you're saying is how do you build different types of content for different levels of attraction? I think you'll find that the best thing to do is understand that it's different stages of the process that can best uh, be applied to these kind of these kind of levels. So for cold traffic, my content in general, evergreen, not too focused on in jokes or 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 you know things where you'd need to be someone who knows my products to know what I what I'm talking about. Some, something that that generally is broad enough, but focused on my niche that anyone coming cold will understand what I'm talking about. Gives them access to me. Um, in the sense that it, it shows them I'm an expert in what I do. The next level, when the warm, warmer, is comments, when they, if they reply, and or DMs. So the warmer uh, uh, level of, of, of attraction is for DMs. So when they're showing a bit of interest, that's, how I, that's when I engage there. So it's not content. I mean, you can, you can do retargeting, stuff like that if you're desperate. This is far simpler, in my opinion. Warmer is content. Hot is phone calls, okay? You take them straight to phone calls. Inbound, phone calls, okay? It's the same there. So the hotter they are, the more you should be on a phone call with them. The warm, if they're warm, it's DMs. If they're cold, so content will attract them to begin with. That's how I do it, because it keeps life nice and simple. Also, I'm very low volume. If you're, ex if you're like hyper volume, high volume uh, products, you need loads and loads of people buying every single month, um, because, you know, you're not a high ticket coach or anything. You're selling lots of lower ticket products. Well, then you do need to segment your audience. You do need to redo retargeting. You'd have content. You'd have a pixel maybe as well if you're if you're running ads. And those that look then get, of course, retargeted with uh, slightly more, um, you know, you know, you watch this last video content or you know you read just this this last thing here's part two if you like and then you take it from there it's a huge machine if you're doing that and that's usually best for those who are super uh, like i say like hyper focused on big volume um, for you for instance jenny the process i mentioned before so content dms calls uh looks after cold warm and hot uh, that's how i would do it lee lamb something i would like i would love you to talk about is the importance of monitoring the conversation as it goes through and how to change the approach if needed. 
Um, a warm client can go cold very quickly if handled wrong. Quite right. So there's a little tip in this really important one. When you look at the conversation you're having, and we're talking about the DMs here, when you're having that conversation with them, so there's someone who's like, hey, this is quite interesting. I, I like what you do. Hey, that is a really interesting post, Richard. If I spend too long in the DMs in this conversation, they will go cold. And the reason why is because if I ask too many questions, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like going in for the kill, if you like, enough. So, so what you need to do is ask two to three questions to establish where the issue is and what they've tried to do it. And by you asking those questions, you position yourself as the guy finding out the problem and then as the patient, if you like, this is the doctor method, if, if uh, some of you may have heard of the idea of the doctor method being that you're the doctor, they're the patient, and that dynamic has to be uh, a part of this. So you, what, you, what I'm saying there is you've got someone who is open to sharing with you where their issue is, and you're the one prescribing a solution. So when they're like, you know, I've got, I've got this issue. Okay, so what have you tried so far? Then it's your second question. And they're like, well, I don't really know what to do. I've not really tried much or I tried this and it hasn't worked. Well, look, there's a number of things you could do. This is what I do well. Why don't we hop on a call? And the thing is, it, it always works because they've stepped forward, as I mentioned earlier, but it always works as well when you say like, why are we in the texts? Why are we in the DMs when we can get on a call? Uh, like again, again, that's what I say is there's a higher ticket selling. It makes a lot more sense to do this because, you know, selling in the DMs is way harder for a high ticket product because they need to have a lot more trust around you. So the, the pivot then should be two or three uh, messages or questions tops. The reason really why Lee is because they will feel like you're interrogating them. Otherwise it will go on and on and on and on. And, and they just, they they go off the boil and you end up with this warm um, lead actually ghosting you after a while. Cause you're just asking questions. So you know, there's that saying, you know, you have, if you sit on the pot, you've got to go, you got, you know, you can't, you can't just kind of sit around forever. You have, you have to actually, you have to actually, uh, you know, execute on, on the ask. It's really important. If you don't convert that, that DM process to an ask, uh, to, to get on a call, you'll spend it too long there and then it will fade and it'll just go away. So you strike while the iron hot is hot, two to three questions. One is not enough to establish enough detail two is great, three maybe, but two is great because it gets them to step in and go, oh, well, here is the problem. So now they're actually actively asking, uh, some, uh, answering your question. And then you probe once more. That second question really takes them deeper. They're really committed now to sharing detail on the issue. But by pivoting to a call, then you're saying, look, this is clearly something we need to get into detail on. Let's get a call all for you. Let's let me help you out. And that works so well. So more than three, like you're in trouble. Like you'll end up, I mean, you can, but you'll end up with after a while. I've seen it so many times people ask like four, five, six questions. The person's like, you know, you're just asking, it's just this interview now and you're not really getting anywhere. It might be you trying to help and you give value and you, you know, give them suggestions and so on. But why aren't you doing that on the phone call instead? The strongest place for closing uh, someone who's showing an interest is on a call, um, uh, like unless you're selling a $5 product, of course, but like, the, you know, ones where it's higher ticket, it makes so much more sense to do it that way. I really strongly advise it. Otherwise you end up with just too much chat.
Jenny, you've asked another one here. Can someone cold be approached the same way when it comes to tags on your content as someone warm or hot in LinkedIn? For example, would you tag someone cold on a CTA post? Or is that too intrusive? So a CTA post, call to action post, one that's where, like, where you're saying, you know, if you want, you, know, you might be giving someone, giving away a lead magnet or something like that. Would you tag someone cold in CTA post? Yes. Yes, you would. One thing that's worked wonderfully for me is as well as tagging, you know, writing a comment on a post, set, you know, tagging a couple of people, maybe tagging Jenny because the post is relevant to her, um, is also tagging someone who's who's completely cold. And what I do is I tag the new connections. It's a great idea. So what I do is I like on LinkedIn, I, I did it. I think I did it over the weekend. I did a comment and I said new connections great to be connected. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. And then I tag those people. You could argue they're warmer than cold, but they're not really. They're kind of cold that we're just connected. That's all that's happened. What it does is it brings them in. And I want to get these people talking because then it gives me an opportunity to see where there might be uh, an opportunity to, to, to do something more than just have a connection with them. That in turn makes them feel good. They feel like they, you know, they're getting some love from this new connection, Richard, who's inviting them in. And it also serves to put you on their radar, which means they'll look out for you more. Plus the platform will serve with more of your content as well. So yeah, I would. But always when you tag people in a comment, you should really think about the context. Don't just tag a bunch of people, put in why. So like, I just want to tag you know, these people to say thanks so much for showing up or, or, or to tag you because these people are experts at what they do. I, I did this recently as well. Like here are some examples. Here are five examples, excuse me, five examples of people who do X really well. So now they're going to feel really good about showing up in the comments too. So just think about adding context as well. When you just tag names and don't do anything else, it totally sends out a signal that you can't be bothered and you just want them to show up for you and it is arrogant. So whenever I see someone just tag my name, I'm just not interested because it, it makes it, it looks like they're demanding that I show up and you know write a comment on their piece of content. Give me a bit of love in return. It just, it's not hard to do and I'm really, it really converts better. So it's, it's really worth doing. Great question, well done, Jenny. Um, Nick Rabin, I try and behave myself, said David. What have we got going on here? So I just wanna say hi to everyone watching on LinkedIn, uh, Jeanette, Basically, if you're watching right now, put in the comments where you're watching from. And if you're part of hashtag team live, good to see you here, Jeanette, watching uh, team live. Uh, Jennifer's watching from New York. Uh, remember, best question today gets $50. I will be announcing that in a second. David Paul from Boston, team live. Uh, Saxshi is watching from Bangalore. Lucille, I don't know where you're watching from, but you're hashtag team, uh, hashtag team live. Marie from Toronto as well. Steve has said, uh, incredible work. Thank you very much. Mindy Green, good to see you here again. A, a regular now joining from Virginia, hashtag team live. Uh, amazing to have you here as well. Who, who else have we got here? Uh, oh, cool. Loads of you. Um, George Byfield as well. Let's have a question here. So how does one shift from chasing clients to ch clients chasing you? That's the question, right? So chasing clients happens when you decide, because it's your choice, when you decide that you're going to court people who um, are, or basically you're going to make the client or the prospect the, um, the prize, okay? So chasing them is a bit like, a great analogy is if, I, if I'm going to uh, if I want to catch, uh, you know, if I'm, I don't know, if I want to catch a rabbit, okay, if I want to catch a rabbit, I can chase the rabbit, 
or I can leave out some bait or something for the rabbit to come near. The way you attract a client is you make yourself the prize. You make yourself attractive. And a really simple way to do that is to share, so distribute some content that shows that you know what you're doing. All clients have one thing in common. So paid clients, people who have paid you in the past, if you think about it, George, they all have one thing in common. And that is they look to you as the expert in what you do. They look to you as someone who could help. That's why they paid you to do what you did. So if they feel like you can help them, then they are more likely to come in your direction. So content is it's insane. People don't use this. And it's stupid just to post, you know, here's our latest presentation. Like you need to share regularly content that demonstrates you're an expert in your space. One of the reasons I do this live stream is because it enables me for some people to be positioned as an expert. Some people will be watching this and going, that's a really good answer. That really helps. And it's a longer play patience kind of um, uh, approach to things. But if you share regularly with frequency, you move to a place where people consistently see you as someone who knows what, what they're talking about. It's not just tips and how to's because that's very straightforward. It's also reframing how people view their world and making them realize that there's another way of seeing things. And when they hear that from you, they start seeing you as this thought leader. And what you're doing is you're going, I know what I'm talking about. I know my stuff. And little by little, you find that people start coming to you to listen for advice. So for you, you George, whatever you do, it may well be that you, you share something several times. You share different things where people are like, wow, that guy, George. And this is just a feeling. This is just a sense they have. It's not a they don't say it out loud it's a sense they have. That guy, George, knows what he's talking about. Wow, it's a really good point he made. Wow, I'd never looked at it that way over and over again across time. What happens, even across a month, you start getting this group of people who are like, I love this guy. And it might not be you're the most illustrious person in the world. It might not be you're the, the biggest expert on paper at what you do. But for them, you just said it the right way. Some people just don't dig how I speak. Some people do. Some people just don't dig this format. Some people do. Some people will never watch video, so will never watch this. Some people do. And the fact is you can't get everyone, but some people will think you're perfectly for them. They will, you will resonate with them more than anyone else could. So someone superior in knowledge with greater experience, George, might still prefer, uh, might still be overlooked in, in favor of you because you just, are the personality they're after. So it's so crucial to do this. This is about this building brand idea. What happens is that over time, people start thinking the guy might know, just knows his stuff. They see, as long as you're clear and transparent about who you target, and what you do, and, and you're, because most, not most, but a lot of people profess stuff, but it's not clear what they actually do. What happens is eventually those people get curious enough is they start checking out your profile and they start maybe sending you a message or two. And of course, you can get into conversation because you stimulate them through your comments and through your content. And what happens then is that you can ask that person, you know, what made them decide to check you out? And they might they might share that they've got no reason other than it was cool. Or they might share that they've got a bit of an issue with something. 
And what happens then is that you can, you've attracted them to you. They've come to you. And when it's of their own volition, it means they're more likely to want to be converted. Because when you're the prize, when they come to you and all of your efforts on social platforms, for instance, should map to people coming to you, you do find then that people look up to you as someone who might be of value. And the propensity to want to get on a call and, and, and you know, take further help and guidance from you is a really good idea. It just seems like a good idea to them. Chasing is less effective than when they come to you. They've decided they want to be in your audience and maybe get on a phone call or something like that. But that only happens if you're attractive enough. Typically, being intellectually um, uh, an expert enough, if you like, on the topic that you can help them with is all it takes. Just got to do it with consistency and frequency. It's worked so well for me uh, to be seen as someone who can help with conversion on LinkedIn. That's what I do for a set of people, the consultants out there, often solopreneurs or those with value to give or things I can help people with. I simply focus on helping them get conversion on LinkedIn. So all of my content and the things I talk about is focused on that. So they see me as someone who can help. And as a result, you know, look, my accelerator that started last year is, is getting on for 70 members now because people have joined, like saying, he's the guy, he can help. He's clearly got demonstrable evidence and I've never chased anyone. Now it's all inbound, but because I deserve it, because I'm showing up as someone who knows what he's talking about for some. Remember, when you share what you know, the level at the level you know best, some people will still know more than you. And so they won't bother. There are some great business people out there who never bother watching my stuff. And the reason why, even if these people know me, the reason why is they probably don't see me as anything other than a peer. They're like, I just know as much as him. I don't feel like he's going to move the needle. But there'll always be some people who are like, ah, you're exactly what I need right now. But you're never going to attract people unless you leave something out for them to be attracted by. So hopefully that that's that clears that up for you. So really great question. Thank you for that. Um, right. Uh, who else we got here? So we've got uh, Alberta from Atlanta. Good to see you here. Uh, hey, Richard, says Nick Rayburn. Good to see you here from the UK. Oh, man, this is amazing. Ahmed watching from the Maldives. I was in the Maldives 11 years ago. I absolutely loved it. They're so nice. Uh, Tammy watching from or oh, you haven't said where you're watching from. Uh, I was saying hi to Tammy. Are you uh, um, Jennifer? Who else we got here? Uh, uh, Chef Camille Sargent watching from uh, Jamaica Cool. Simon, you got a question as well. How soon should you start selling to a prospect in the DMs? Great question. You only start selling to a prospect in the DMs. You only start selling to them. You converse with them right away. You start selling to them when there's one of two cues. Either they look up to you they and they articulate that. They compliment you. You know, they say something like, Simon, man, like... I love the stuff you talk about. It's so useful. I, I like, I, it's so like, it inspires me every day when I see what you're doing. It's just really exciting. I'm so pumped by it. That's a tell that you can start moving to exploring how you could help them. The big one though, is when they share a struggle, when they're like, man, I have this problem. Like I can't fix it. And of course it's something you can help them with. When they share a struggle, that is the big cue that you can then ask or you can start selling. And you start selling at that point by moving them off that DM onto a call. Uh, if, again, if you're doing a higher ticket sell, it's really crucial to say, hey, um, 
you know, it, it's clear you've got a problem with this. I can fix that. Would you like to explore what it would look like if we, if we, uh, you know, work together? Or let's get on. A, let's grab on a call. Uh, uh, grab a few minutes on a call. And I can help with that. The sell itself will happen on the call. It's far easier than the DMs. So the way you should look at it is that the content warms. And for some, that might be for months, right? It might be for ages. I had someone recently joined my accelerator and she's like, I've followed you for a year. She'd been watching the content for a year. The DMs are momentary. Like I said earlier, to Lee's question, two to three questions tops. Like it's a pivot moment. And then you're onto the call, which is where you spend a bit more time because that's where you can really connect with them properly and, uh, and build some kind of a, a relationship. That's where the selling element will happen emotionally they'll be sold in the content the reason why is because when they decide to get into the dms and be receptive to your questions about where their problem is it's because they emotionally believe you're someone who can help them otherwise if they don't respect you on that level they probably won't answer your questions try going up to someone cold and saying hey what challenges have you got in your business what's your story you tend to find that like I'm not answering that. Who the hell are you? <laughs> so it only works when you've earned the right and that emotional uh, buy-in and having been sold emotionally starts quite early on. But then deciding to buy on the call is actually just validation of what they already believed, which is that you can help them. Okay, so that's that's kind of the process. Great question, Simon. I'm glad someone asked that one. Uh, make yourself a helper, said Chef Camille Sargent. Thank you very much. Absolutely right. Um, uh, and uh, Simon's added, some people just start selling their service without working out if it can ha actually help or solve a business. That's right. And here's the thing. Even if you do know that you can help someone, it's always more effective. This is persuasion technique. It's always more effective when you get them to say out loud what they feel it is that they need help with first. Get them to articulate it first, because when they say it out loud, they believe it because it's their voice, the most persuasive voice, voice in the world. So when you say you can help them with that, it really does make a difference. OK, so so even if you know what you can help them with, get them to, to articulate they need help with that thing. Say it out loud and then pivot to it. Don't just jump in and assume. Otherwise, you just look like you're telling them what they need, which they don't want to hear. OK, really important. My um, man, Nick, has added, add value and share as much as you can about your field. This positions you as the expert and authority in your space. Absolutely. The crucial element I will add here, like I mentioned earlier, is hacks and how to's are all well and good. But everyone does hacks and how to's to be seen as the thought leader, someone who operates at a higher level than the crowd you need to think a little bit more um, intelligently. And what that is, is this idea of a reframing of, of what people's view is of something. So if there's a mainstream belief, I did a post on this last week, for, for example, um, I talked about this idea, you know, this is concept of jab, 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 right hook. And I was kind of questioning it, not, in the, not that it's wrong, but questioning the fact that people use it specifically and don't waver from it. And instead I was saying, well, look, here's a revision on it. And to give a revision on something which is a very well-held mainstream belief is a really good way of make, making yourself saying, hey, I'm actually someone who thinks for themselves and has something different to say. And that separates you from the herd and makes people think that guy maybe thinks about things a bit on a higher level. Maybe something I should check out because your opinions look a bit more unique that way. So it's really a really good point there. Absolutely. Good point. Thank you very much. 
Uh, Ahmed has asked, is advertising completely necessary for seeking clients or rather word of mouth is more successful? What are your thoughts? Advertising versus word of mouth. There's no question. Word of mouth wins every single time. If I if I tell someone, oh, if you have that problem, you need this guy or you need this product, people are going to believe me more because it's a, coming from a trustworthy source. People, you've got to remember with ads, there's nothing wrong with ads if you do them right. But people are conditioned that ads are going to try and sell them. And so don't believe ads as much as they might. So if I watch a commercial on tele, I'm like, yeah, right. Like when I see a toothpaste commercial, okay, and there's a person in a lab coat, it's like, you're not, you're not in a lab. You are not a scientist. You're a paid model. I don't believe it, you know, and then pretending like they're pretending that they've just been caught in the middle of surgery and just been asked this question about toothpaste or something like, yeah, I would always use it. It's scientifically going to help me. And it's just like, I don't believe it. So the problem with ads is that we are conditioned to not believe them. Uh, because we don't like to be sold to. People like to decide for themselves if they want to buy something, or so we believe. So advertising can work. I don't advertise at all in the sense that I don't spend money on ads anymore. Um, you can put money against content. I think that works really well. But I don't spend money on ads because I, I like the differences. I like the organic that I get from content because I'm warming them better. I'd far prefer someone who spends time checking out my content, warming up, and then I take them from there than someone who's seen an ad going, hey, I thought I'd take a punt on this. This looks interesting. Why should I buy from you? And like that's the kind of position someone will be in otherwise. So, yeah, you can retarget and do great things with ads. I would always uh, um, prefer uh, word of mouth, but somewhere in the middle is great content that, that warms people over time. Good question, Ahmed. Thank you very much for, for jumping in with that. Just a quick shout out. I want to say uh, hello to everyone watching and thank you to the marvellous Restream who sponsors this uh, live Q&A show. So every single week we've got Restream behind this. The platform running it right now through Facebook and LinkedIn is Restream. Check out the uh, link I put on the po on the uh, on the screen there. If you can't see it, if you're listening on the podcast or watching on Instagram, it's restream.io slash join slash Richard Moore. If you do any live stream streaming, any audio, so like podcasts, if you want to record video to then post later on, so you don't have to stream live. All those three things I do through Restream. Uh, really simple interface. And if you check out last week on Tuesday, I did a piece of content, a live stream with Anya Rosina from uh, Restream itself. So we, we actually did a workshop for completely free that's available on my Facebook profile and uh, over on LinkedIn as well. But join in, uh, jump in and grab yourself uh, a go on, on Restream. Without question, it's like I've tried a lot of other platforms live streaming. I've streamed live every week for almost five years now, and Restream's the one that gets it. And so much more powerful, versatile, simple to use. I strongly advise it. And you get $10 credit on me when you jump in and try it out. So thank you to those uh, behind the amazing, amazing partnership. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, let's ask, uh, let's look at a couple more questions. Amin Hamu has asked on Instagram, I think it was, no, it was on Facebook. How do you make your app or startup or business go viral like Clubhouse or TikTok? <laughs> well, wouldn't I love to do that? Look, firstly, do you really need to go viral? Do you really need to go viral? That's just one question to ask because there actually may be that you don't need to go viral. I don't need to go viral in my business. Sure, if I do, 
it will help me get more visibility and I'll probably get my my choice, my pick of better clients. But I can only handle so many. But that's because I do a very low volume one-on-one consulting kind of business. Whereas, you know, if I have an app and I want as many users as possible, then I need to look at concepts like network effect. So network effect is essentially if a bunch of people are using something, it means that their network needs to use it in order to access what's going on. I remember, it was 2004, I'm pretty sure it was, when Facebook came out. Facebook came out and there was, obviously it was across college campuses in the US to start with. But when it came over here in the UK, I remember well, I was sitting in the office in London, everyone was like, are you on Facebook? Have you seen this? Have you seen this thing on Facebook? Are, are you on there? By And it was a really, you know, it might seem weird for people now thinking about this. Like there was a time when we were not on Facebook and it was like, you know, have you heard of this thing called Facebook? And and have you seen, you can connect with everyone. And we were all, you know, when we went on it, we were connecting with old friends. It was amazing because I'd, I'd moved house twice during my childhood and I was able to find and connect and catch up with people I hadn't seen since I was six. Oh, no, no, so 12, in fact, because my really close friends from primary school, I left and moved on. So it was a really amazing moment. And what, what Facebook did was was basically create a platform where you need to be on it to see because everyone else is on it to see what's going on. So there is that idea. But look, a really good book I finished reading recently by Sarah Fryer called uh, No Filter about the rise of Instagram nails this really well. And the best way to make your app or, or, or business go viral like Clubhouse or TikTok is to understand the mechanics of what makes something go viral. To make something go viral, you need a volume of, you, you, you might think, oh, I just need loads of people. I need like everyone looking at it. No. To make something go viral, you need a few of the right people to be using it. And their, their networks are what makes it happen. So if you look at Instagram in the early days, what this book, by the way, I mean, and anyone in fact watching is interested in this process, I would highly recommend it. It's pretty much one of my favorite biographies of the year so far. I think it will be my favorite biography of the year um, uh, in hindsight. I think it's been so powerful. What Instagram did was they had someone whose job it was to court influencers. So the Kardashians, Justin Bieber, people like that to, to hobnob, like they would, they would go and rate, have events with them and things like that. They would have them on the phone, they went to Miley Cyrus's home to speak to her about, you know, she was using the app, but to kind of take it to another level. When you have people of influence check something out, you go viral. Simple as that. My friend uh, Alan Gannett, uh, who uh, has an amazing book uh, over on uh, LinkedIn, has, was recently, I think it was last week, was shouted out by Mark Wahlberg on uh, Twitter because he digs his book and he's building a media company, for instance. That's a really great example of how connecting with one person and them shouting out or talking about you can raise your profile to a huge audience. So how does this map to what you're doing if you're starting out? Well, you might not be able to afford Mark Wahlberg or Kim Kardashian or Justin Bieber, but what you can do is looking at the first level above you. In your space, who are the influencers, even low-level influencers who maybe they're on Instagram and maybe they only have 5,000 followers, but they you'd like to give them a, a shot at checking out the beta of your app. So you should be 
massively focused on that and you say, would you like to check out this, this new product? Give it your honest opinion and share and talk about it. Because if this person has an active following, well, some of them will then check it out. And I use the same principle when I was growing myself on, on LinkedIn. If you go back three years, what I was doing then was I was finding people of note because I had a tiny following. Like I had like 1,000 followers or so, so, which is very small on, on, on LinkedIn. What I was doing was I was like, who are the people who've got 20, 40, 60,000 followers? I got on a call with them. You know, they're easy to get hold of because they're not too big. They weren't Bill Gates. They were small enough to get hold of them. Get in touch. I shot like a quick video with them. I had a chat and a hangout and I posted it, tagging them so they get a notification and they come in and write a comment. Richard, it was really cool to hang out. Thanks so much. So I lifted them up. I was showing them off. I was saying to my almost non-existent audience, check out this amazing person. And they were like, hey, it was really cool to, to meet you. But my alignment with them meant that some of their audience came and checked me out. So I gained a new followers, some more followers. You, I kept doing that every single week. And then I, I, I added people or I did collaborations with people who are bigger and then bigger and then bigger and so on. It's just how it is that that's how you do it because they have their own networks. And when they shout you out, you can get a lot more um, uh, growth. You can grow faster because there's this really wonderful thing of their network behind them. So if you've got some money, you can even offer them money like, hey, uh, would you mind if I give you $50 to just check this out? Perfect example is Restream. Restream has a whole influencer team. They're connected with me. They're a partner with me because when I shout them out, people buy the Restream link. <laughs> they, they buy Restream accounts because they've got someone here who has like 40,000 followers and they don't. So it's just simply influencer marketing, I would say is the best way to do it because there's so much more trust when it comes from, you know, from, from an audience, when it comes from someone who they're following. So get in touch with them that way. People who are maybe just small to begin with, the, the smaller they are, the more they'll be cool with even just doing it for free. They just want to get this these first brand deals. I remember the first one I did um, was the uh, oh, first one I did. I think was a watch. They wanted to give me a watch, uh, or the first one I was that was appro that approached me was they gave they were wanting to give me a watch so that I would wear it and then talk about this watch. And I was like, I'm all right, thanks. But, but a lot of the time you get that because if you've got a new brand, you c if you can get it in front of enough people. Um, you will go viral because someone in there will have enough influence and it will hit this tipping point. And that's all it is. You know, with Clubhouse, they courted the right people. Then it was seen as cool because, well, if this cool person's using it, this influencer, well, then we want to be on it as well, says their audience and so on and so on and so on. And that's just all it is. Um, so that's the approach. That's the approach that works. Um, and I think that's the way you can move the needle faster rather than just approaching people one-on-one. -on -one. You can run ads and so on, but like the influencer thing is so much more authentic, although you're gaming it. You, you, the idea is that you're getting these people to say, hey, audience that trust me, you should ch come check this out. So ask, you know, they might get early access to your app. That might be the thing that does it for them. And the smaller they are, the more they'll be cool with doing that for free if you've got no money. If you've got a bit of money, well, then you can throw it at them. Say, hey, would you mind shouting me out for $100 to someone who with, with only, you know, 1,500 followers who are really active? If they're really active, it's worth doing. So just, just think along those lines. What can you do to, to get to get the right kind of influencers moving? That That's certainly an effective way of doing it. 
Um, let's get another question. Um, so Renny Michelle, what's the correct flow and crucial elements to share during an enrollment call to move from interested or warm to sold? And if you suggest, a, do you su suggest a script until we're confident in the process? I don't suggest a script at all on the phone call. I suggest that you structure it in a way or a process. You have a structure, but you shouldn't have a script because you can't be reading a script. I mean, I, I, when my first, my first ever job was reading a script when I was cold calling, but I was on a phone call. So no one could see <laughs> it was okay. And even then it's like a bit clunky when you're on a video call, which is how you should do it because the connection is so much better. I, I wouldn't be using a script. You can't be looking down all the time, even if you learn it, you know, know it quite well, but you should have a structure. So the, it's really simple, this. Um, the, the, what's the flow and crucial elements? The crucial elements start with really three of them. Step one is get them to talk about themselves. And you say, look, first up, what I'd love you to do is just kind of share a bit more about you. Step two is share a bit more about their problem and their business, what they're working on right now. So now we're rather than background, we're talking about where they're at. And that's good because you can learn a bit more about what they're doing. You'll learn a bit more about, you know, where their issues might be. And then and once you get into that detail, you can then go to the third part, which is, OK, now we've clearly established where your issue is because you're asking questions and letting them talk as they go. Well, here's the solution. And you share it that way. Check. So trial close. Check that the solution you've offered feels right when they say, yeah, it does then they've earned the right to hear your price. Then you give them the price. So that's the process. That's what you should have. But you don't want a script. And the reason why is because it should be simple to, to have pleasantries with someone for 30 seconds say, so look, let's do this. And I, I'd love to hear a bit more about you first. Then we can talk a bit more about, um, you know, where the issue is right now and what's up with your with, with business. And, and then we can see how I can help. I'll share a bit more about the, about the proposition itself. Does that sound good? And I'll be like, yeah, sounds great. Go for it then. Tell me a bit about yourself. I don't need a script for that. I just need them to start talking. Uh, but but lead with that agenda, um, Rene. You'll find that that's a really simple way to do it. Um, but just make sure you do that trial close at the end. So like, it sounds like this is the issue then. Can you see how I'll fix it if we do this, this thing together? Yeah, that sounds great. Good. So here's the price. And does that sound good? Good. Yes, it does. Let's go there. So, you know, it, you tend to find that that process is is all you really need. Anything else is long-winded. It doesn't need to take doesn't need to take forever. Um, let's do one more question uh, to finish up here. But thank you everyone for watching today. No, no, we'll announce the winner of the fifty dollars. Uh, so Daniel Nunes, I think we're all working with warm markets, unless you're a spammer. Probably true, actually, mostly. And content creation is something that comes over time. However, I'd like to ask what you would suggest entrepreneurs do when starting from scratch especially considering what some are trying to produce post-lockdown. Um, if you're starting from scratch to attract people, um, show your expertise against the very specific problem that you would help people with. So if I'm good at this particular thing, I need to think to myself, what's the problem or frustration people would have to need me, to therefore need me to come and fix fix their problems and speak about how, you know, the things you do to fix that problem. So position yourself as an expert against the problem that these people have, but also be super clear about who you're targeting. So it's not just the problem you solve, but also the target people you solve it for. So for instance, for me, I help consultants 
convert or get clients on LinkedIn. So there's a hyper niche, as I call it. So the clarity is there too. There's the expertise shared through ideas, philosophies, uh, you know, my riffing in, in posts and so on, 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 on like how to fix things. But there's also, crucially, clarity about for whom I serve. Because I want that set of people to be like, well, clearly this is me. That's great. Because I don't want any kind of confusion about if I might be able to help someone or not. Otherwise, there's a chance because not bothering is so easy to do, they might just not bother get in touch. So I need that. I need it to be clear. I'm speaking to this set of people. I will eliminate a lot of people I could help, but I'll gain so much more because the people I definitely can help, I'd be able to target. Um, uh, I'll, I'll be speaking to them directly because I've, I've articulated who I'm, who I'm targeting. Really good question there. Thank you. I hope that's what I would do. Just, just share expertise uh, with, with frequency, especially to start with. You should be posting pretty much once a day, at least something really of value. And as I've said a number of times already today, something too that really, really um, shows that there's another way of looking at things. So you want to you want to map back from this outcome where people are sending you a message saying like, "Wow, I'd never looked at it that way." It's a great way of seeing things. They'll start seeing you as the the, the expert you need to be. Um, Best question, I think the most interesting question for me today um, was actually, I think the most important one was the one from Lee Lam about too many, having not having uh, the kind of the amount of monitoring the conversation, how many DMs, I think that's a big takeaway for everyone. DMs are two to three questions, then you pivot to the phone call, especially for you, Lee, that's exactly how it should be done. Um, that's what I would advise. So $50 to you for the best question. Thank you very much for that. Anyone still watching? Because uh, I know it's, we've run over a bit, uh, almost at the hour. Thank you for watching. This is episode 251. In four weeks from now, I will be sharing a massive announcement. So tune in every week anyway, but then four weeks time is a big announcement on episode 255. Uh, we're almost there though, nine to go, and we'll be hitting up uh, uh, the five-year anniversary of Startup Business Q&A Thank you, everyone, for watching. Awesome to see you all on Instagram. I'll see you very soon. And thank you very much, everyone, for watching on Facebook and LinkedIn. Have a great day. Take care.